guys are so mistrusting of what the U.S. government might do to you. But Google has you by the short hairs, and it's just getting worse. That's because we're good. We're the good guys. But Google does know evil, Larry. The government is pure corrupted evil. Google does know evil. If anything, Google should just be the government. Please. February 5th, 2014, this is episode 85 of Yats. Okay, we muted Larry, it went away. Larry, closed the event window, I think is the one you have open. Anyway, I'm Matt Lee, this is episode 85 of Yats, like I said, yet another tech show.com. Joining me this evening, Larry Press, we're going to let him figure that out. We got Mike Rothman, how you doing, Mike? I'm doing real good, Matt, good to be here. Good to have you back. Uh, Aunt Pruitt's got some work stuff this week and next, so he will be out uh, for a couple weeks. We'll get back with him uh, towards the end of February, though. Uh, should Larry, be good. Yeah, you I'm have to mute that. Okay. Larry, you have a window open somewhere that is playing the hangout of the show. Now, it's your job to find out which window that is and then close it. So while he's doing that, Mike, uh, you notice uh, Larry posted something up on a new domain about uh, some... We just had the Super Bowl, and uh, he went through some uh, old old ads uh, that you guys both remember. Uh, take me through some of this stuff, because I was like four uh, when, when this was happening. <laughs> I was 103. Larry, back with us. All right, you got that figured out? Yeah, I did. You're right. I had a, uh, I got a million tabs here. You know, before I go to talk about that, I noticed there's there are always little new features. I opened up the uh, Google Drive to see the what we're going to talk about tonight, and there's little icons of the people in our hangout, and you can get to the chat window from there. Just a little little uh, new thing from Google. Way to go, Google. Yeah, Anyhow. and I, I think, though, that's a different chat than the Hangout chat. So there's all sorts of chats. We got Hangouts. We got Doc Chats. We got we got everything. And, that, that, and, and Google Docs is now showing a stream of activity within your Google Docs. So, so that's sort of what you're looking at. It's a, it's a new Google Docs feature, a little different yeah. than Hangouts. Which is cool. It'll show you who's editing what and at what time and, and all that, which is kind of handy if you have yeah. lots of people editing a, a document. Okay, okay. What I'm seeing at the top is the you two guys, but maybe you are both have that. Yeah, document. no, that's that's, that's, that's... We're in a Hangout. It's that we have the document. That's also the document chat. So. All right, and joining us, Richard Hay from Google. What's up, hey, Richard? Richard? How you doing? Hey, Richard. Hey, how's it going? Good to have you, Matt. It's been a while. What has Richard been up to? Oh, Richard has been oversubscribed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Richard is on about five projects too many. Nice. Yes. You're in demand. The good news is I was never this popular in high school, and just today my boss's boss's director boss guy was saying that uh, that – 
he just thought I was in too many things and oversubscribed. We need more me's, and I'm like, I totally agree with you, sir. You you guys should put the, the, Ray on the cloning machine. The the, the good news, uh, Richard, is that they're not going to transfer you to the Motorola division. <laughs> no, no, that that did not happen. So you're right. Also, no worries about uh, uh, job security at the moment. So that's good too. That's good. Always good. Good to have you here on uh, Yeah. So we were talking about Larry had an article up on a new domain, uh, the 1984 Apple Super Bowl ad, and I was saying, like, I was kind of four when that happened, so I was going to have them kind of – I was 13, so I was not dead. Oh, nice. <laughs> no, that's right. No, you know, it, it, when it has it, – it, it is the – yeah, it's a link to the Super Bowl ad. Have you guys seen the Super Bowl ad? Right, the one with the Olympic uh, woman uh, uh, hammer yeah. throw. Yeah, yeah. right. You guys have all seen that, right? But the the real thing that I put up there, if you go there, is links to five different articles that I wrote uh, at the time, uh, starting with the first Mac coming out. And then yeah, you the win, Larry. Mac Plus, the Mac uh, 2, the Mac uh, SE, and IBM's reaction to that whole thing. So that's what the thing really was, more than well, just... I, I, I do have an interesting story here, and that is that one of my college... Uh, uh, fellow students in my uh, in my outfit in Texas A&M, I had a Mac uh, in 1989. This was about, this was several years after they came out, but uh, it was it was a wee little thing. He had one of the original Macs? Yeah, he had an original Mac. It was like just this box, it had this little screen, and it was like monochrome. It wasn't even like, um, yeah. uh, it didn't have like a 256 colors or anything. It was just like black and like shades of black and white and gray and stuff. And, and the slot the for little, the 144 floppy. Yeah, with the 144 yeah, the floppy. Person, Every time I take a picture now on my smartphone and it's like two or three megabytes, I'm like, this wouldn't have even fit on one. I'll tell you what, when I was in like sixth or seventh grade, we got one of those and we thought the coolest thing, we figured out how to get into the control panel and get into the sounds and we would like make it quack and beep and we thought that was the best. Like, this was made to make stupid sounds. It was so awesome. I think my favorite was the game Lemonade. Lemonade Stand? Yeah, it was Lemonade Stand. I remember so, that on the 2C. I never had that for the Mac, though. Yeah, no, and so the, but I think it was, I probably played it on an Apple <laughs> 2E. Like yeah, I, I do remember that, and it came with Blackjack. It was like a, a CLI game, and you'd come up, and it would say, oh, look, you know, how much sugar and how much lemonade you're going to make and if it was really hot then you like sold out and yeah like, it'd give you the weather price. forecast i totally remember that right and then like and then it would rain and all your stuff yeah would get you'd like, either you make could, bank like, or end up now. owing your parents money <laughs> just much like the real world i mean it looking at it you know 30 years later you you're either making bank or you owe your parents money i mean right that is that is a very common Lemonade stand. They knew. Larry Press also knew. He made a prediction. I didn't even know this. He didn't even know this. This is how great Larry Press is. It's how bad my memory. You <laughs> or how bad your memory is. Let's let's look at it. This is how great you are. You made the prediction uh, that everybody would be pretty much just walking around with this thing in their hand, staring at it all the time, and and uh, we kind of do that now, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, in, in one of the articles, I don't remember which one it, it was, maybe the review of the, I think it was the review of the Mac 2. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of go off on a thing there, well, don't worry, and, you know, in the future we'll all be also, when we leave our desks, walking around with tablets. 
Um, but I don't remember saying that to tell the truth. But there it was in print. What did you like, envision? Yeah, were Were you envisioning the Mac just the screen though, and then people walking around with that, or did you have anything in mind uh, like specifically? No, I would have had in mind that you'd carry it around. The, I think, and I think there's still a possibility that you know that you would sort of be able to take. Uh, leave your keyboard and your display sitting there and undock this thing, but carry around your computer with storage and, and CPU and all that and memory and all that stuff. Well, and they kind of tried Not with the I two. Don't, Larry, I'm doing that now. Are you doing that now? Yeah, well, I you mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've just gone over at the office. I've just gone over to a Surface mm. in a docking station. Mm. And it is the coolest configuration yeah you know who else uses surface it's taken 40 years to get there you know who else uses surface everybody in the new show intelligence everybody in the show under the dome everybody in the new tv show arrow (laughs) everybody like so many tv shows without microsoft paying any money but then some shows you also see Apple stuff, which is interesting because that's kind of the opposite oh, of the spectrum. Because this they... is the best that Samsung gave free tablets to all the Olympic athletes, but said if they have an iPhone, they need to cover the Apple logo at the opening ceremony. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think of Apple though as being the product placement guys. I mean, you see apples on. Every desk and every movie ever made. I read a long time ago, though, that they never pay for any of that. Like, it's always, and that might be like some weird, stupid uh, internet myth thing, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I read that they never pay for product placement. It's always done just because the movie people want their movie to, like, shine like that or something. I don't know. It's probably BS, but. Yeah, that sounds that, like... that, that sounds like propaganda. Internet me. lore. Yeah, yeah. So why are they all now places? They've all got surfaces. I mean, come on, where's that coming from? Well, that's so, Microsoft trying to like get a leg yeah, up. I mean, Microsoft must be paying people to do that. It's it's all paid product placement. I would think. Yeah. I do like looking at these pictures. I mean, it does bring back a lot of memories. You remember how like rectangular the mouse was and how boxy everything is. And like we've gotten much more ergonomic at our manufacturing of these uh, devices. Well, the, the, tech, the tech progress has been amazing since then too. That first little Mac with, with 128K of memory and a single floppy disk, uh, no, you know, heated – Terrible heating problems. It cost twenty five hundred bucks. I mean, that was a lot of money in those days. That would that and twenty five hundred dollars back then is like ten thousand now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Larry, a- I love I loved reading the articles and your descriptions of some of the things you could do. And I, you know, I'm I'm with you in that generation that I can remember the the thrill of getting a computer and getting it home and being able to program it in basic to do something like say hello world you know that yeah, you was... know you talk about i this has gotten me really reminiscing the, this, those digging those articles out and scanning them in and it made me start thinking about epiphanies i had as as through the age you know through my career and one of them which is kind of not at the start but in the middle is just what you said the first instant that i saw an altair computer i it just was like Holy shit, I can own my own tools now. I mean, that was really mind-blowing because up until then, I always had the 
use a computer that's, you know, big, expensive computer that somebody else owned. And all of a sudden, I realized I can own my own tools. And, uh, and it was true. I mean, that was a real switch. Like it was kind of love at first sight for me. Oh, 100%. And do you remember when the Altair came out? I do, although I, I really first got on the bandwagon with, the, with an IBM PC. Okay. And the idea that I could, uh, I, I think uh, it, it, that came, of course, with a basic interpreter. And I think there was also a Pascal yeah, compiler. Yeah, the Pascal compiler. Yeah. But you had to pay extra for that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, well, I, I, I bid on both those and, and got into, uh, well, the basic was included. I, I bid on the extra purchase of Pascal and had some fun with that. Yeah, that, yeah, that was the P system. It compiled down into a, uh, a runtime code. A pseudocode, yeah. My, my, my first computer was a Copydyne. From CompUSA. Never heard of that. It was a, it was the ha house brand for CompUSA. <laughs> and uh, I remember I bought this thing, and it was, uh, it came with eight megabytes of RAM. Meg? Wow, that was eight, a lot. Eight megabytes of RAM. This was in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, you got that was, like when when that was I got a lot of memory in those. To, well, see, this is back when this is like when I was like starting to hit like this is college age, right? So. Yeah. Uh, but my my you know my parents had had like the you know the Atari 800 XL. I mean I'd had a computer that my parents had owned, but my my own own my my personal own first computer, right? And and it was eight megabytes of RAM, but I was able to and at those days RAM was fifty dollars a megabyte. And so I was able to buy sixteen megabytes. Of they had a deal where you could buy sixteen megabytes expansion. For only six hundred dollars. So instead of the $800 that it normally would have been for 16 megabytes, you got they, they, they were said, Fire, just for you only, because you're our bud, you could buy this extra 16 gig, uh, megabytes of RAM, not even gig, just megabytes of RAM for, for only $600. And you were smoking it. I was, I was like, oh, this is the best. And I got, now I got 24 megabytes of RAM. And, oh, man, it was, yeah, that was crazy. I got an Aptiva 535 with 8 megs of RAM and a double-speed CD drive, but you couldn't upgrade the RAM, so you had to boot it to this floppy that freed more memory if you wanted to play, like, MechWarrior 2 or something. It was ridiculous. I, I like that you were in college using 8 megs of RAM to, like, learn and stuff, and I was, like, at home playing MechWarrior 2. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know. Same systems, just different different uses. Yeah. Well, the the other thing is, I remember I actually got an email address from uh, my university when I walked in that I never used. It was it was on a Vax, uh, you know, mainframe system, and it was really long, and it was, and I remember that I used it one time when they gave it to me. They forced us to walk in the computer lab and log in and 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 open up uh, Elm or Pine or or some 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 text Unix uh, email reader. Uh, right, and 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 I re and I read the welcome to the university system email, and then I closed out and I logged out. I promptly forgot the password, and I never used the account again. Really? Well, because who could I email? There, I had no. Everyone I would email, I could just talk to. Okay. You know, I didn't know anybody at another university or anybody else with an email. My parents didn't have email. I mean, it wasn't like it was something that was all that usable. Kind of makes was, it. Uh, was your machine on? Was it yet on the internet? On the NSF net? It, it was on the NSF net. So had I known other people that had email addresses, 
uh, I could have emailed them, but then because I, you know, I was, you know, I just knew people from my high school and people that were my at my college, and everyone in my social circle was like within a hundred feet. Gotcha. It's kind of amusing yeah. that it, it like takes away how how fun something like that is when it's just like you. But then, like, you see it kind of come back full circle when Facebook started. And it was, again, like, your school and just the people you knew. And then it expanded out from there again. It, like, does this, I don't know, this weird cyclical thing. Right. Well, I, I guess it comes down to, like, discovery or the ability to discover or have serendipity play a role. Right. Rich, when you were using that machine, were, was your school getting a newsfeed? A Usenet newsfeed? Because that would have been a cool way to meet people I remember that when I was in graduate school, uh, I, I had a, 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 a Unix account, and they had a Usenet feed. And then, then they had, like, the – it was University of Maryland, so it was like they have UMD for sale and UMD, you know, whatever, the, all these news groups that were just for the University of Maryland students. Yeah. But you didn't get feeds of all the news groups from around the world, you know. Uh, I think it had, a, it had all the alt-binary fun stuff, too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, my first my first experience with sort of wide area email was actually on uh, CompuServe ah, uh, with with its cool octal long uh, digit uh, uh, names for people, and the, the of course the cool thing was you were suddenly from going you know uh, to from a social circle of the just the people around you you were exchanging email with people who were basically English speakers, but English speakers from anywhere in the world. And and that sort of, I, I still remember the sort of mind-boggling moment of realizing that, you know, that was what was going on on that little dial-up service I was using. Yeah. It's funny yeah, that ICQ kind of kept that model, too, and it was like all numbers and numbers. It's a very so terrible way to... Microsoft named his third CEO ever. Yeah. Yeah, they finally found a replacement. You guys want to so talk about that? what do we that? think about this guy? He sounds interesting. It kind of sounds like it's he's going to be, like, led a little by uh, Mr. Gates, but I, I don't know. You know, the, I, I don't know about any of this crap, but, like, that guy Cringely, you guys, get I get his... Uh, I uh, Cringely. Yeah. So, like, Cringely's theory is that... Uh, Everyone Gates... else said no? <laughs> no, no. The, the, the role of Gates is they didn't be... ask me. I'll do it. Shit. <laughs> What's that pay? I'm sorry. That was a cheap shot. That no, was right. kind of a cheap no, shot. What Cringely's take on that is, is that Bill Gates is going to insulate this guy from being pushed around by Bomber. That I like it. Gates is the only one in the world that can keep Bomber, you know, kind of in, in the corner. Wait, I thought he was that leaving. Is. Is that not? Mm -hmm. Isn't Ballmer leaving? Am I well, confused? I think he's on the board of directors, and I think he's the biggest stockholder now in all of Microsoft. So, I guess, and uh, I don't know anything about being a giant power guy like that, but I guess he's still. Uh, that's what Cringely says that 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 this new guy wouldn't be able to make any changes or do undo anything that Ballmer had done if Gates weren't kind of standing by his side. I don't know. Maybe it's true. And the guy, it sounds like he came from uh, like kind of enterprise and internet applications, and that seems like a pretty strategic place to be putting. Uh, kind of where they want to go. Place. 
guy come from? Well, I'm, I'm glad they didn't get Sundar Pichai. Yeah. <laughs> Just because, uh, you know, he knows all of our, our secret squirrel internal stuff, right? So he would, uh, it, even if he didn't, you know, and then there probably be, there would have been lawsuits and it would have been a mess. And, Something about, you know, like, not competing or something? I don't, I don't know. Lawyer something speak. like See, even just the fact that he could have got in and just said to Microsoft, you know, stop doing stupid stuff. <laughs> and you know, I quit. You know, like just told him that, Rich. <laughs> you know, he could have, he could have put the brakes on, but now now since they picked an internal guy, it's like they'll just keep doing what they're doing. Mike, you're all into Microsoft. Does this make you worry, or are you are you pleased with your uh, with the decision? You know, I would have been more pleased with the decision to go with. Uh, someone outside of Microsoft because I, I think there's a very, very strong culture there that needs, that's in huge need of, of being shaken up. And it's harder when you've been in the culture for 20 years. But, um, you know, this guy sounds intelligent. He sounds like an engineer. He sounds like he knows his technology. Let's, and, and obviously he knows and is successful in the Microsoft environment. I say let's see what he can do over the next few years. There's, you know, I I got to think that it, it can only be uphill from here for Microsoft. I was just going to say, like, he couldn't possibly do any worse, right? I mean, yeah. there's nowhere to go but up, guys. Come on. Wait, wait, wait. Doesn't Mike, okay, the, their tablets haven't done too much, but, I mean, doesn't Microsoft just make incredible amounts of money in the enterprise market? I mean, maybe they, consumer they do. stuff they don't do so well. But. Without a doubt, they make sort of an ungodly amount of money from uh, their enterprise clients, and that's a business with a long tail. But those are those are organizations that subscribe and you know follow the Microsoft line. But what happens when well, what happens when they leave the, XP behind and all of these enterprises are still running XP and they get completely hacked and ripped apart? because nobody's patching security holes, but they don't want to spend the money to upgrade, and nobody wants Windows 8. Like, well, I feel like some that's... of these point-of-sale system hacks that have been going on because the point-of-sale systems are running some modified version of Windows Richard, XP? Richard, ever since I read that, I've been looking around in my, my travels, and I see so many things that run on XP that probably should be a little more secure. So many. Like Edward Jones offices and like lawyer offices and that kind of stuff. Like, it, why are you guys running XP still? You know, my sense is that Microsoft isn't actually going to leave um, enterprises vulnerable. I, I think if you read the fine print, in fact, they say that they're going to continue security updates for XP for enterprise sub subscribers. Well, yeah, they would have to, right? Because all you have to yeah. do is look at what they're patching and then go exploit that in XP, which isn't getting patched, and voila, you know, you're in. Yeah, and you're in, yep. exactly. So so they're, they're going to take care of it. But frankly, the enterprise is not the part of technology that interests me. Uh, Richard, I'm sorry to say this in your presence, but servers are boring, <laughs> to me at least. What about self-healing servers that figure out well, they have I, a problem and then fix I'm their problem? Richard, hey, those like, self-healing servers of Google sound really interesting. Like when yeah. Gmail goes down for 50 minutes, Richard. And, uh, no, but it, it's, it's <laughs> supposedly fixed itself on a minute. you know much about that, Rich? Um, no, I'm not too familiar with exactly the nature of that particular film. All, uh, I do know it was not my fault. 
<laughs> that is really interesting technology though a server that can figure out like oh crap whatever i just pushed broke a bunch of stuff so i better undo control z that and then fix it like, that's kind of neat yeah i thought for sure that 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 50 minute downtime had richard hayes fingerprints all over it a, yeah honestly no, did v- any of you guys notice I, I work on infrastructure. The VPs only know my name if I if my stuff breaks, and so they I'm still safely anonymous. Nice. Did any, I didn't notice any downtime, and I used like Gmail. I used the crap out of all that stuff. Did you guys notice at all? It, it, was it 15 minutes or 50? 50, 50 5-0. Yeah, it was about 50 minutes. I, 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 my, my Gmail went down, my internal Gmail. I, I got to say, I was definitely down, too. It was, it, it was at a time when I was at my desk working, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, other sites were working fine, and I got nothing on email. Is it down for well, everyone or just me.com? Best site ever. <laughs> I did notice some weirdness uh, with, like, plus and photos and everything, but I usually, when that stuff happens, I know well enough to just walk away for, like, a half hour, come back, Nine yeah. times, ten times out of ten, it's fixed at, at that point. So take a break, go outside, walk around for a minute, play some Ingress. Gmail is incredibly reliable. I mean, it's just so ridiculously reliable. It's it's not funny. So when it go when it goes down once in a while, I mean, how many of us remember the days, uh, Larry? I'm sure you remember the days of painstakingly maintaining your um, exchange you, server. No, well, not. I wasn't going there. I was going a Eudora client or <laughs> Eudora. Do you remember Pine? <laughs> or a, I was going to say, or a Pine <laughs> client. Yes. Email looks like wow. And all the sort of gyrations you had to go to and go through to to get it configured the way you wanted. And don't even talk to me about getting your mail off of when you were on somebody else's computer. You know that was not going to happen. Yeah, but do you remember you those days where you couldn't just you log in? Over years and log in. Well, that's what I loved about Pine is that all you needed was a little yeah. Telnet client, and you could yep. like putty. Because you know, I was doing a lot of work in developing nations in those days, and and believe me, that was you know you were lucky to have twelve hundred bits per second. All you could do was Telnet with things. I mean, there was no thought of doing anything else than characters. Sure, I was so into you Pine, I found Pine. a you Windows know what I thought client. You were gonna say? And I thought you could really go back, and I can remember the the machine I did my dissertation on. You would have to back up your work to to tape literally every fifteen minutes because that thing was down. You knew it was going to crash several times during the day. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So things are a lot better now. Well, I remember the punch cards. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I I'll tell you my punch card story in college. I. I DJed for a radio station, and they had this. Of course, they had this huge record library, and they had the, they had no real means of cataloging the library. So I said, "I'll put your record library uh, in it on punch cards, and then we can sort them by album, by artist, by genre, etc., and produce uh, a, a tabbed index so let you find these things." So I, every Saturday for about two years, I had to trek over to the punch card machine, punch out the new entries, 
resort the thing, run run the tabs in several different sort orders. Uh, but they loved it in the uh, in the radio station. That was yeah. yeah. It was data entry. That's what it was made for. Hell yeah. <laughs> Running. The- I thought I, I thought you were going to say you had to run over to the unit record machines, run them through this the deck through the sorter, and then run it through a, an accounting machine to print out the reports. <laughs> <laughs> they had interns for that, Larry. Come on. That that came later. Did no, you- that came earlier. Yeah. <laughs> in, in Austin, all the meeting rooms have like musical themes. What do so you mean? They have the they have the. Uh, the meeting room with like a bunch of the eight tracks, and and a working eight track player. Where is this? Oh, uh, this is in the Austin Google office. Oh, okay. Because uh, it's you know Austin's kind of a musical city. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also they have the the other one with a, with a record player and a and a bunch of uh, vinyl. A Victrola. Do you have to crank it to uh, get it? Yeah. To yeah, no, it's it's, it's the old needle thing where you. Well, actually, well, they had needles in the crank things, but if they had cranks to spin it. The Victrola. Yeah, the Victrola. Classic. Yeah, shoot. Uh, did you guys see Amazon bought Double Helix Games? And we kind of talked a little bit about this on Tag of the Androids, that Amazon was thinking about coming out with an Android gaming console, but not like, ooh, yeah, hopefully something a little a little better. It kind of seems a step in that direction. If you guys remember Double Helix Games, uh, they were the ones behind Killer Instinct back in the day. I loved Killer Instinct. You guys are, you guys probably didn't play. You guys play arcade games? <laughs> uh, not so much. Yeah. Well, Killer Instinct was a really cool one, and I, I it came out on, like, Super Nintendo and all the consoles after that, but... Uh, so, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting that they're, they are kind of moving uh, forward with this. I love Cyberball. Oh yeah, what's Cyberball? See, I've never played that. Uh, that was this. Uh, it was like a football game with robots. Oh, I liked and, Mutant League football. Is it like that? And you had to, and you had to like get fifty yards and four downs, or the ball would explode. <laughs> Whichever robot you had that had the ball would 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 be lost. Nice. So uh, so so it would tell you the ball was getting hot. The ball was getting hot. The ball was critical. <laughs> And then, uh, and then you had to get a, a big play, or else your your the ball would explode, and you would you would get mopped. So, what is Amazon going to do with a video game maker? They're going to add it to their video game console strategy, and they're going to have their own games for it. I guess. I heard they were going to jack up the price of Amazon Prime, and also oh, that to pay for Double Helix. Silly me! I didn't even know Amazon had a. A, a a video game console strategy. Well, they don't exactly. They're they're working on it though. <laughs> didn't they? Didn't they kind of have like not amazing quarter? I mean, they their results were not like amazing. I don't know. But people wait, wait. ordered enough paper towels to like make it worth it for them. A- Am- Amazon's last quarter disappointed uh, on expectations, so they. You but, know, there was coverage of that just a few days ago. Is that why they're talking about raising the price of Amazon Prime? They need to shift the needle so they had better monetization, yes. Weren't they unreasonable expectations, though? Like, if you look at what they made, they still made, like, a bunch of money. It just wasn't up to the crazy expectations of the analysts. 
such a big bite. Yeah, well, you know, you know, along those lines, Netflix had Gonzo wonderful profits last in their la- latest uh, thing, and I wonder if that means Netflix is going to hold their price, Amazon price, Prime rate their price. Amazon might start losing that uh, video battle with them. Maybe Netflix will uh, beat them into the ground. Where's the first place you go when you want to look for a video? Is it Netflix or do you hop on Amazon? Well, I'm I'm a member of Amazon and I'm Amazon Prime and Netflix. And where do you go first? uh, I can't see anything else, but I see HBO too. Where do you go Uh, first? Huh? Where do you go Uh, first? Netflix? No, no, both. I go to both. You open up two tabs and conduct two consecutive searches. No, on both Amazon I mean, and Netflix. Like, it, it's, it depends what I want to go looking for. Ah, if I, I want to watch House of Cards, I go to Netflix. If I want to watch The Wire, I go to HBO. If I want to watch, uh, if my wife wants to watch The Real Housewives of whatever, she goes to Amazon. Uh, we use all all three of those. But if, you know, if they start, if, it sounds like maybe Netflix is winning that war. I don't really know the, the business very well. Well, I almost look to Netflix almost exclusively first for almost everything, except for um, apparently, I you know you can't get Princess Bride, my favorite movie in the whole world. Yeah, what's up with that? That's like everybody. That's the except, internet's except favorite movie. It is not on. It's not on Google Play. It's not on Netflix. It's not on Hulu. Who owns that? On. Who owns the rights to that? That's weird. Well, it must be Amazon because they got an exclusive right. So. Yeah, Netflix movie selection streaming sucks. They had much more on on this. Yeah, I forgot about Hulu. We, we watch a lot of. You know what Hulu's got is old classic movies, all the old Bergman films and Japanese movies, all that kind of film. But Hulu's That's like real. the stars and encore of internet streaming video. They do have Quick Change. I don't know what that is. What's Quick Change? Oh, that's the the old Bill Murray movie with Gina Davis about where they rob the bank. And then they, they, they sneak out of the bank pretending to have been hostages with the money taped to their bodies. Classic. <laughs> they're just trying to get to the – and the, in the meantime, they keep calling the police pretending that they're still in the bank demanding ridiculous things like, uh, we want a monster truck. That's awesome. We, we want to – you know, this kind of stuff, right? But uh, in the meantime, eventually the police catch on to them. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a classic. How about that movie that was made at Google? Is that on, uh, online anywhere? Uh, I'm sure it's somewhere. I don't the know. Intern. Can I just say I watched that movie and it was pretty terrible. Yeah, it is not amazing. That's true. Not yeah. exactly. Not, working at Google is a lot different than that than portrayed in that movie. You know, though, a lot of things in real life are different than what gets portrayed on movies. I feel like. Actually, so. the funny thing there was a there was a Dilbert cartoon that I posted on G Plus, which you know had this whole thing about how arrogant Google engineers are. <laughs> um. You know, where it had like the Google or the, the Dilbert boss saying, I hired a, an engineer who used to work at Google, but he's so smart and he's just converted himself to pure energy. Uh, so, so he's got this glowing ball of, of, of light uh, next to him. And then uh, the glowing ball of light says, kneel before the knowledge of the, you know, all this thing. Uh, and, then, uh, and then the boss guy says, uh, yeah, he is a little arrogant. And then the ball says, once added a feature to Gmail. <laughs> so I posted this and I said, well, you know, my experience is actually not, you know, is not, uh, isn't 
that that this this is uh, this may be a perception, but uh, most of the senior engineers I've met are actually the opposite of arrogant. They actually tend to become, uh, you know, more. Uh, they they're aware of all the things they don't know. You got it. So they basically become much more uh, even humble in the way that they present, you know, their uh, their views, and they're very diplomatic, and they don't overstate or and they very rarely speak in absolutes. Um, you know, like it's absolutely working or it's absolutely broken. This will probably work. Well, exactly. A lot of this kind of language, you know, very very President Clinton. Office speak, yo. Yeah, something like that. Uh, exactly. Did you guys see this? Google uh, getting Susan Wojcik to be uh, the new head of YouTube's video business. Interesting. Maybe she'll get uh, Princess Bride on there. Maybe yeah. Susan, can we get the Princess Bride, uh, please? On on Google, please. Yes. Yeah, uh, get right on there. This represents the latest change to Google's top properties by Larry Page and comes as Google is striving to turn the popular video portal into a bigger moneymaker. Maybe not necessarily a bigger moneymaker, but maybe less money losing here. Doesn't YouTube well, lose I, a bit of money? Uh, I, I don't think, yeah, YouTube is not a profit loser anymore. Uh, it's definitely a net positive now in terms of just the advertising that you get on the roll ads and the other things. Okay. But I would say that actually a big boost for YouTube is the Chromecast. Yeah, we have actually, yeah, ever since I moved into this new place and my buddy has a Chromecast and a TV for it, like we've been watching either Netflix or YouTube. And it's lately because it's wintertime, it's been snowboard videos on uh, the YouTube. Right. Well, and, and I, you could definitely see a vehicle where more and more TV shows, like even just produced shows, would actually offer themselves for sale through the Google Play Store and then for play, which basically is hosted by YouTube. That, and a lot of the content that you're buying on Google Play is actually delivered through YouTube. So uh, if you know content. the right hack, you can just get it on YouTube without paying, technically. Uh, I don't think that's true. I think it's more along the line of that. Essentially, it's using the same content delivery sure, network. Sure, sure. Yeah. So if you hack the right CDN, you can... No, I'm kidding. Don't Good do luck that. with that. Don't do that. Could you imagine getting your Google account banned for life? <laughs> God, that would be that would really screw you, man. That would really suck. That would really suck. Yeah, that would. I would probably hang myself with a printed out index card taped to my body that said Google <laughs> or Scroogled or something. Something clever. Swing. You know, that that is kind of skip, you know, if you want to cut 1984, that that's a scary thought. I wonder. I wonder if that like is the kind of thing that would like happen inside. Like, I wonder if like ever that would be something that the justice system would enforce as like a punishment. Yeah, there you go. You know, like uh, you know, you're banned from using online services, or you're banned. you are a comment it, troll, so you're banned from commenting. Well, well, but I mean, if you think about it, if you get a court order, you could go to the you know, you can go to Google or Yahoo or whatever and say, hey, you gotta you gotta delete this guy's account, right? Well, and they kind of did that with, like, Mitnick and the old hackers. They're like, you know, no, no uh, phone communications, no anything like that. Like, no computer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you cannot be within 50 feet of an internal combustion engine or something like that. Right, because you'll whistle the nuclear bomb codes or something ridiculous. Imagine, it doesn't have to be the government. You can imagine an evil guy within Google. Uh, 
you know, deciding to kill somebody off. In that. Just some random employee that has a hard on for some other person that just yeah. shuts their account off randomly. So the thing is, we've, I, we've, think, we've, I think we've got the particularly difficult for that sort of thing to be carried out anymore. So uh, that essentially, even now, like in terms of accessing individual accounts, you have to get at least two engineers to, to sign off. That's better than the NSA. I mean, crap. And also, we're talking about Google today. How about 40 years from now, when it could be life or death to lose your Google account, and Google's got evil people running it instead of don't be evil people running it? Oh, yeah, yeah. what about that? Come and pick you up. Oh, well. Yeah, what about in 3 billion years from now, when the sun turns into a red giant and torches everything? Then what? I, I can imagine, let's give it 20 years and some guy, megalomaniacs, the head of Google, and he decides to cut off the United States government. Larry, in 20 years, Google's going to be running don't, itself. Don't you watch Batman, man? Don't look at, you watch... Look what those characters doing Batman. Just yeah. think if one of those dudes had accent was the was Larry Page. Yeah. Just imagine if I got bit by a spider and I was all radioactive. No, but see... You know, in a serious way. I know, I know. You guys are so mistrusting of what the U.S. government might do to you. But Google has you by the short hairs, and it's just getting worse. That's because we're good. We're the good guys. But Google does know evil, Larry. The government is pure corrupted evil. Google does know evil. If anything, Google should just be the government. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'd vote for Richard Hay. What? Yeah, if it's if it comes to that, I'll vote for Richard. Yeah, really. there you go. That's two votes, Richard. Two <laughs> votes, well, man. I can I can see right? myself as the dom. Yeah, exactly. Right now. <laughs> oh, it'd be good. The emperor has no clothes. <laughs> hey, Larry. Uh, Coursera yes, blocked yeah. in Cuba. Does Cuba not want people to learn, or no, what? No, got it backward, and it's it's up in the air. Um, I'm. I have calls in. Actually, I sent Richard an email, too. I'm trying to... This is what it turns out. It's it's not the Cuba block Coursera. It's the Coursera is blocking, is stopping their content from being seen in Cuba. Because they don't want to teach Cubans. I no, see. because they don't want to get in trouble with the United States government, with the right. Treasury Department. Yeah, there's there's, uh, there's trade uh, trade embargoes, right? But they're not yeah. trading. I, I that, guess that covers okay, everything, okay. right? I've been making phone calls today, and uh, I've called. It turns out that Google Code is similarly blocked. It turns out that SourceForge is similarly blocked. It turns out that edX is not because they applied for and got a license. From from OFAC from the Treasury Department, and I don't I have not been able to. The Treasury Department tells me they didn't cut off Coursera. Coursera tells me they told them to cut it off. So I'm getting two different stories on that. Um, Google just doesn't return my calls or emails, and uh, and uh, SourceForge, you know, or Dice who owns them says they will get back to me tomorrow. Press, so, press it, Google. It's not clear whether these people are being told to turn it off or whether their lawyers are having them turn it off just to be safe. Uh, but one thing is clear that edX did apply for a license and it took them seven months, but they have a license. So they are visible in Cuba with, and they have a license to do it. So that's, uh, I'm still in the middle of it. 
And uh, I don't know. That's all I can tell you right now. Yeah. We have a very simple PR strategy. It comes from the Wrath of Khan. It's let them eat static. Yeah, it's don't. You know, you go to your website and it says, oh, send an email or call. You press at Google.com. Oh, send an email and you call. And then when you call, the, the email doesn't get responded to. And when you call, if you get a recording that says leave a message, but it'll be faster if you send us an email. So it, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's Our pie script. That catch 22. Huh? That's yes. some catch that catch 22. Well, it's just totally ignore the, the people. I'm sure they don't. If I were from the New York Times, I'm sure they'd call me back. But it turns out I'm not. You should and just you say Molly Wood. She has, she she of of uh, podcasting fame, such as Buzz Out Loud, has just moved to the New York Times. That's her her new gig. Oh wow! So uh, watch for her. She's uh, intermittently during the day today. She's making the front page of the uh, New York Times website. Wow! Wow! I'll bet Google calls her back. <laughs> I bet they do. Larry, all you have to do is call and be like, this is Larry Press uh, with the New York Times. You need to get yeah, some information. You, you need yeah, to I'm sound sure. confident. Just pretend you're a miner buying alcohol. You just got to roll in there like you own the place and be like, I'll take 240s OE. <laughs> and some information yeah. about what's going on in Cuba. I'll give that a try. Um... But anyhow, that's that's the deal. It's if you if the Treasury Department people are saying, well, shit, we're not doing it. Their their lawyers are making them do it. I've, I've also been talking to a guy in our. We don't have an embassy in Cuba. We have what they call an intersection, and he says that the companies are doing it on their own too. So it's not. We do have a significant number of Marines. Huh? Significant number of Marines in Guantanamo Bay. Guantanamo, yeah, but we have a thing in in Havana they call the intersection. It's it's like an embassy, but not. It, I don't know quite. They, they they call the head of it an ambassador. I don't know quite what what the difference is between an interest section and an, and an embassy. But anyhow, the guys there have told me too that uh, that it's not the government's fault. That it's Corsair being uh, cautious. And I don't like I say I don't know about Google. Well, I I remember I had had some trouble with Hangouts with uh, some people in Iran. Yeah, Iran's on the list too. Right, exactly, and that they were saying that uh, it was that uh, because of the embargo that the Google Hangouts wouldn't work in Iran. Because and they it don't. It wasn't even a matter of like a VPN thing. It was. They just, or the Iranian government blocking them. They don't want no, you I, hanging out with Iranians. Basically, is what they're saying. Maybe. Yeah, I mean the the deal with Cuba is because they don't want the Treasury Department is the one that does it, not state, and it's because they don't want us spending money. You know, they don't want them to get any of those real green dollars. But uh, you know, like Google Code, nobody's charging for it, so I don't understand. Nobody pays for it. Nobody charges for it. So, but Google Code has been blocked since 2010 or something like that. There's a blog post on your on Google uh, saying, "Oh, hey, yeah, we blocked Cuba." Oh, well. But what made them do it? Whether they decided, you know, there may be just some lawyers at Google that said, hey, we better just do this before, just to be safe. Well, know. it does tell you something that, you know, Google, which is a 
fairly large multinational corporation that uh, gets more than 50% of its revenue from outside the United States still absolutely follows the dictates in some cases of the United States government, right? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the United States government said they didn't even dictate it. But anyhow, if Google, if you tell the lawyers, like edX applied for a license and, it, and they got it, so Google could probably apply for a license to get it too if they wanted to. As could Coursera. I think where Coursera maybe ran aground was they have their courses are free, but but if you pay them fifty bucks or something, you get a certificate of completion, and maybe that's what pissed uh, off the the Treasury Department. I don't know, but anyhow, don't blame it on the U.S. government until we find out. Well, when they get I'm back totally to you, let us know. I'm totally unclear on that story. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I, I just say I'm totally unclear on. Me too. Whose interest is being served really by blocking educational resources from people around the world? Nobody's. No, no. If the U.S. is really blocking it, then their horses' asses. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's totally brain damage. But if if Google is sort of unilaterally saying, "Well, we're not going to do it just in case it's a problem," then they should stop. They should do it. Yeah. You know. And like I say, edX went for it. They they've never edX when they came online, they didn't block it, and then they asked the Treasury Department for confirmation for a license. They got it, and so they've never been blocked. You can look at that, and this is all kind of moot because nobody in Cuba's got good enough IP access to, to use edX anyhow. But right. it's the principle of it. The government shouldn't be doing stupid things if they are. So, but hopefully within a couple of days I'll know more about it, and I'll do a blog post on it. Yeah, when they call you back, let us for it. let us know, and we'll. Uh... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Stay tuned. Don't don't hold your breath. Well, I'm not gonna. I've given up on Google. Shit. The whole idea you get this, the phone picks up. Well, leave a It's just like calling your. You know, a normal person, this little answering machine picks up. I don't know if anybody even listens to them yet. Well, Larry, you're, you're missing the bet here. You need to have your Python script called their Python. That's script. how it works. Yeah. Do they have a, a, a uh, with the Google brain, is there a lawyer in there that I can kind of, what, what's the lawyer's API look like? Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys see? I mean, if you're Jeff Jarvis, you could call Google. He's like calling them, trying to get his glass taken back or something. Oh, yeah. I heard uh, him on uh, Leo Laporte thing. He's bitching about Verizon won't. Uh, yeah, that was a while ago. That was quite a while ago. Now he's uh, bitching. So the thing is, he's got the prescription Google glasses. I, don't, I haven't heard that part. Richard, do you have a Google Glass? Do you... I do not have Google Glass. No. I, I I know a couple of the guys that are that are that are manufacturing them, but I don't uh, I don't myself have a pair. That's amusing. So, he he just uh, he he says he wished he could return them. He called Google, begging them to get me the hell out of glass. A horrid waste of money. Wow. This is this is this is on uh, Jeff Jarvis's blog. Nah, it's uh, yeah, it's an article quoting his blog on Plus, digital Plus trends. Machine. It's it's uh, it's amusing that he it says he's embarrassed I ever ordered glass and that it's an expensive nightmare. I feel like a damn fool for ever having ordered them. 
Sounds like wow. he's got a little buyer's remorse. That's interesting. Well, I tell you what, he's he's kind of a fanboy too. Yeah, exactly. That's why I found it kind of interesting. Uh, he says that they are useless, inconvenient, and impractical. Well, you know, I, you know, should hold, you know, pull your punches, you know, like you know, don't. <laughs> How many stars did he? Don't don't sugarcoat it, Jeff. Just, just wait for the fun there. It's like, oh, yeah. Tell us how you feel about it. He's Jeff. really exactly. apparently he's super pissed that the glasses can't be folded down and that you have to carry them around in this giant case. That part is, I think, uh, annoying to me. <clears throat> if only someone could invent like glasses that actually like fold up, and then oh you yeah, that would be amazing. Put them in a like a uh, case of some sort that was smaller than actually the size of the, the glasses. The whole thing. You should work on that. Maybe you get a raise or a promotion or something. Right. That sounds like a patentable thing right there. Like, guys, I figured it out. We actually have to put a hinge on each. <laughs> get else, out of here. Or else Stop you can put it presses. on those necklace things. Like, okay. Okay. That's enough. <laughs> the croakies. Holy crap. Do you remember croakies? <laughs> I need croquis for my glass. But anyway, I thought it was amusing that like he's trying to call Google, you're trying to call Google. It's like everybody's trying to call Google, you know? Yeah. Just so email. I can tell you, when, when Google decides to zap you, you won't have anybody to call. Yeah, Jeff. Then what, Mr. Jarvis? What happens then? How's your Chromebook going to work when Google zaps you? <laughs> what if Google zaps him for... <laughs> well, I imagine we'll have more fun articles like this to read then, full of colorful exactly. quotes. Yes, of course. All oh, right. Uh, and hey, look, Google uh, apparently has come to an agreement with the European Union. About what? Well, that we're not going to get hauled into, uh, they're not going to throw the book at us and, you know, fine us like a you know bazillion bucks. And... For the Wi-Fi thing still? No, no, no. This is, uh, this is on the uh, antitrust investigation. Ah, right, right, right. Well, yeah, good on them. Good settlement for Google. Yeah, so we're I I I forget exactly what concessions we made, but it was uh, basically that you know we're, we're gonna have, uh, there, there's gonna be a different display view of Google in Europe than in than in other parts of the world. Really? Yeah, I, I heard that they they don't show houses in Germany, right? They always say Blurmany. I don't think that's part of the agreement, but I, I, I you know I, I that's probably more of a just an agreement between Germany and Google. That's another one of those internet myths, Larry. Come on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we just put a big bratwurst over the house. <laughs> in, in other news, uh, Bill Gates spent his first day at, on his new job at Microsoft advising the new CEO. He, he spent most of the day trying to get Windows 8.1 loaded. <laughs> and the CEO was like, actually, I have... A copy of Windows 7 I downloaded from the internet. Can we just use this? <laughs> I actually brought my own Chromebook. It's cool. Can I plug this in here somewhere? <laughs> awesome. I'm All sure right. Um, exactly before we get out of here, I just want to mention this interesting article on the Atlantic, The Lost Ancestors of ASCII Art. I thought that was kind of interesting. They're going kind of through the history of it, talking about how it came from like the 1890s and old typewriters that people were like making ASCII art way back then. I thought it was kind of interesting. I'll put a link to it in the show notes if you guys want to read about it. Uh, did, did anybody see this? Though? There was a meme floating around the internet about these guys that got um, Tom Hanks to come on their podcast uh, by sending him like a 1934 uh, push action typewriter. 
I don't. And then, yeah, and then he sent them an email, you know, or he sent them a letter with the type that he had typed with the typewriter, you know, calling them evil geniuses and that, uh, damn you to hell, uh, fine, I'll go and do your thing. Because he's like a typewriter fan? I don't understand. He is like a right, but he, that's the thing. He's got he's you know he's 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 got this soft place in his heart for these type of older. It's a silent action. I think it's a silent action typewriter. Was is this was. a Castaway joke? No, no. This was this was no, this, this is a, a Nerdist story. Oh, uh, okay. I thought you were making jokes. Sorry. No, no, that was not a joke. That was a serious thing. Because sometimes you got jokes, and sometimes I can't. Uh, you're right. That is true. Sometimes I uh, I try to make everything I say at work about 50% false. <laughs> so that uh, whenever they try to rake me in and they say, well, what about that thing that you said was wrong? I was like, that's the 50% false part. I said it would probably work. <laughs> right, yeah. See, then, then whenever it totally like it comes through, I'm like, that was like because I just totally rock at this, right? But, uh, yeah. So you just have to have plausible deniability all the time. All the time. All the time. Very important. In your day-to-day life. All right. Well, I think I think that's going to do it. Richard Hay from the Google, thanks for joining us for Yats. It's been a minute since we've talked to you. Sure, sure. Good to have you back. Larry Press, as always, your blog, amazing. Thank Mike, you, guys. Good to see you again. Mike Rothman, your articles, as always. Always, always interesting. love to be here. Check them out. At anewdomain.net. That's right. Check us out yet. Anothertexture.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a message if you'd like. 406-204-4687. We have a Google Plus community. We hang out throughout the week if you want to do that with us. A Twitter account and a Facebook page. So uh, check that stuff out. And we will talk to you next Wednesday. Have a great night. Good night. Another Tech Show. Check us out online at yet another tech show.com.